You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks, welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dangle. I am joined by Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, and Brennan Chagru. Unfortunately, Logan Bradley couldn't be with us tonight, but it sure was awesome having him back last week. If you want to find Jack on Twitter, you can hit him at BearDownJack. Patrick Sheldon, you can read him on DeWindy City as part of the fan-sided network. You can find him on Twitter at P underscore Shells. Brennan Chagru, the assistant editor of Bears Wire. You can find him on Twitter at Brennan Chagru. That's S-U-G-R-U-E, boys. How are we feeling? Because I, I get a sense that we're all in a slightly different headspace with, with this one. What, what what are we thinking here, boys? I'm still hopefully optimistic. I'm still behind the rebuild. I'm excited about how Justin played. I see good things coming from this group. I think we've talked about it. The roster isn't as good. Speed kills. We saw that today. I don't know. I mean, obviously... I thought after the first half we might still have a chance to win, and the third quarter was brutal. So that was a bummer, but I'm still hopefully optimistic. Yeah, I'm trying to isolate the things that I really didn't like about the game and just focus on the development of Justin Fields. I think if I can just isolate his development and the progress that he's shown the last couple of weeks, I think I feel good about today. Uh, but there were a lot of things that really kind of brought – that high down a little bit granted at the end of the day uh i was not as as upset about this loss as i've been about some other losses this year uh, namely the giants and the commanders but um there are some things that i just didn't like about today again trying to keep in mind the big picture of justin fields development and for that i'm i'm pleased it's really weird knowing that you have to depend on the bears offense to actually do something where you are <laughs> actually hopeful <laughs> when the bears get the ball, like, Oh boy. All right. Now this is where the tide turns essentially instead of the other way around. So that was a really weird feeling because we'd kind of seen this defense give up a lot of yards points, but they've usually been able to clamp down in the second half and the bears have had a chance to at least win the game. And that didn't happen. Just the blows kept coming for the Cowboys. It was surprising. And they weren't even doing anything like super out of the ordinary. They were just, you know, dropping back, throwing quick strikes and then Tony Pollard finding big holes to, you know, to run through. So I was really disappointed that the defense just couldn't hold anything. And, but at the same time, like you guys said, it was really nice to be hopeful that an offense could find ways to move the ball and score. And you really didn't feel like you were out of it because of that offense until like five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Is there a game this season other than today where you felt the bears lack of talent, the the bears talent deficiency more than this game. Cause for me, it wasn't, this was, this was so obvious. They had the ponies. We did not. And, it, and I really don't see a big difference other than that. We just, we don't have a defensive line. We don't have a linebacker. 
Uh, you know, we don't have the best offensive line, though I think it's getting better. And we sure as hell don't have wide receivers, plural. They do. So I don't know. I just I, I'm not upset about this one because to just they have more talent. I think you're right. I think it was the most obvious example of it because there were certain ins- not having a good defensive line makes Roquan play poorly. It exposes him. And I think it would expose any linebacker. But there were just instances where you could see like the speed and athleticism of the Dallas Cowboys, especially in the first half. Uh, if we had uh, maybe Monty really trying to get the edge quite a few times and just he just had no chance. These got run down by faster, more athletic defensive backs. However, we were still in the game for a large part of it. And so that's one of those things that's been such a pleasant surprise about this this team in this year that you saw it a lot on Twitter, right? Like that don't quit attitude and keep playing. It's pretty cool. But yeah, I think we were outclassed roster-wise for sure. Yeah, the one interesting takeaway that I had or observation um the run game seems to continue to plug along no matter who they plug in the offensive line. You know, they have been mixing and matching. They've had a lot of injuries lately, um, swapping people in and out, yet the run game does not skip a beat. So that bodes well for the scheme and the system and what uh, Luke Getzey is able to do from a, a running perspective. Um, we can talk about the passing game uh, a little bit later. I'm sure we will, but that bodes well, at least going forward. It seems like he's got a good, scheme in place a good run game scheme in place and and you know those pieces are kind of interchangeable i guess to your initial question the only other the game that does come to mind is the commander's game because that was so winnable and you also saw guys just drop passes so i mean not that this was you know different or anything like that but you also saw to your point ryan like just a more talented defense a more talented team and i mean a team coached by Mike McCarthy. You really don't think that's going to do much, but when you have horses like that, there's just not much to go off of. And I will say shells, that's a great point you made at one point. Sam Mustafer had to play guard because Tevin Jenkins left and he had Dieter Eastland playing center. And somehow they were able to still kind of, you know, keep that same level of play, which is really impressive. So you're right. They've had to shuffle a lot and things have still moved along. Hey, I was just commenting, uh, Dangle popped in. I said, wow, Brian, great haircut. Yeah, I'm a little bit jealous. I don't have hair. I got it. Um, I understand. But I can be jealous of another man's hair, can I? And I, I think you got a great haircut. He says, you know where I went? I went to Sheridan's Barbershop. Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois. They've been serving the community for 68 years. They've got seven barbers, and they're open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They got appointments. You want to book online, book online. You want to give them a call, give them a call. If you're still a phone guy, uh, you can reach them at Sheridan'sBarbershop.com. Book your appointment online or give them a call at 630-668-0137. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. All right, Brendan, I know you are feeling a little bit underneath the weather. Do you think you can still break down this game for us? Well, Ryan, I'm going to have to because a lot happened. I kept thinking before I get into it, I kept thinking, holy crap, this breakdown could be like an hour and a half just with everything that happened. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep it short because the Chicago Bears celebrated Halloween by dressing up as pumpkins to the dismay of Ryan Dangle, wearing their spooky orange helmets and orange jerseys to play the Dallas Cowboys. And their defense wound up playing like pumpkins, too. 
Dak Prescott was carving them up early, dialing up his own number and took the knife himself for an early touchdown run. Then he broke out the boombox to play his CD and Lamb of God was on there and he turned up the heavy metal with a 14-0 lead. The Bears offense brought a gun to a night fight to duel these Cowboys though with Justin Fields tricking the defense with a treat for Bears fans on a touchdown run. Things got dire though late in the first half when Dallas had the Bears pinned down behind the barn leading 28-7. Then Fields became a wizard avoiding Dallas defenders and eventually finding Nikhil Harry Potter for the score. Seven points to house Chicago and intercepted by Eddie Michael Jackson. <laughs> Take the big donka! Turn this game into a thriller with the Bears down 28-17 at halftime. Another Bears touchdown, this time from Khalil Herbert, had them within one score. But like circus peanuts or candy corn, the Bears would soon have a bad taste in their mouth. Another Dallas score from Tony Bernard Pollard was like taking an arrow to the knee. And then a fumble by David Montgomery was scooped up by Micah Jim Parsons, who said the thinga all the way to the end zone to end any hope of a comeback. Even a touchdown from Gary Cole Komet had Bears fans saying, um, yeah, uh, I'm gonna need you to wrap this game up right now, okay? It's it's over. Cowboys 39, Bears 29. He might be headed to injured reserve right now, Brennan Chagru, that is. He still found a way to to make it happen, to make the plays sound sound good. That guy plays through injuries. He's a gamer. Some guys aren't gamers, you know? They get, oh, this hurts and that hurts. And, hey, coach, can I take a break? Not Brendan. Plays through I'm, it. I'm just I'm just exhausted. I'm not, like, sick or anything. I'm just, you know, dead tired. Haven't been sleeping well the last week. I don't know. You, have, you hit a point, you know? You hit a point of burnout, but I'm powering through. I'm powering through for you guys. Have you tried nature's sleeping pill? No. Is that a thing? I can't tell if you're messing with me. Oh, you guys don't know about that? No. Some of our listeners, I'm sure, will get the reference. I, yeah, see, he's messing with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> what I thought it was. But yeah, I didn't can't, can't count on shells to do anything like that. Uh, oh, I think I might know because I know shells. Yeah, you do. Some things put you right to sleep. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. they Afterwards. do. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Warm, got warm tea. I got it now. I got Caffeine. it. You get right. it? I got tea. it. I, I got yeah. it. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> All right, boys, let's do some just quick thoughts on the game. Just holistically what you thought before we get to the outhouse and the penthouse for this. Let's go Jack Sheldon Shagru, and I'll finish it up. Ryan, at the risk of stealing your thunder, we have a great quarterback. You said it. Is it okay if I steal a little bit? I mean, we have not seen in my lifetime of 49 years, an instance in which the quarterback was clearly the best player on the team. Maybe like amongst the best players on the field, Michael Parsons, Justin Fields, just to talk about somebody in that rare of air who can change a game in such an electric way, who is developing a little bit game by game, despite a whole lot of support as has been well documented. I don't know. That's it's super exciting. It's something to get excited about. And then also mentioned from, from shells, I mean, if nothing else, we can hang our hats on the fact that we have a dominant running game. It doesn't really seem to matter who we play. And despite all kinds of changes on the offensive line and injuries on the offensive line, I mean, think about it. We are quietly, very in a subtle way, dominating on the ground and not bailing on the ground game, which is something we've all longed for for a long time. So great quarterback. Well, I'm sorry. 
a developing great quarterback who will probably be our franchise quarterback and a consistent running game. We can, we can do something with that offensively. Yeah. I, I think Brendan alluded to it earlier. I, I don't remember a game where I almost like wanted the other team to score just to get the ball back in the hands of the bears offense to see, like, I know where this, I know where this game was going. I know where the season's going. It's not as if I want the other team to, score a lot of points, but I was just like, I kind of just want to see the offense continue to get in a rhythm and, and do the things they've been doing uh, today. And it was just so uh, refreshing to see Justin Fields build week to week. Um, some of the things that he did today, you know, some of those arm angles he was throwing from some of the, the he had one play, he was scrambling out of the pocket uh, and I think he looked downfield to throw about two times as he was scrambling to his left, didn't make the throw, but just the fact that he's keeping his eyes downfield like that and even attempting to move the, whether he's trying to move the defense or looking for a guy, um, he's just shown so much growth and development week to week. And, you know, we preach patience here at, uh, at our podcast and um, you know, there was a lot of Mac Jones was, the hot toddy last year. And then first couple of weeks this year, it was Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence and look how good they're doing. This is a long race guys. And I, I think, you know, uh, knock on wood, Justin Fields is starting to separate himself a little bit from that draft class. And is starting to look like perhaps he is the best quarterback of that draft class. Um, so there are a lot of positive takeaways for me today. I won't get into some of the negative ones. We'll save those for later but a lot of positive takeaways, I think, from today's game. Uh, I'm going to stick with the Justin Fields talk and, and talk about how we know that progression isn't linear. I think we've really, and Jack, I know you especially have tried to hammer that home, but just thinking back to what we saw in the Commanders game, Justin Fields misses a wide open pass to Ryan Griffin. Today, he hits a similar, and now granted, it's you know some different play where you know he's actually running a route, but he hits an easy pass to Cole Komet right corner of the end zone. Last week, he couldn't throw to his right just out of the, you know, quick flats or whatever. He's rolling out and throwing dimes to guys like Dante Pettis, Equinemia St. Brown, like with ease. And so even just some of those things for the last two weeks, they've looked so much better. And you add in the things that he's still doing well, like his special athleticism. I, I mean, I think even his deep balls looked much better this uh, today as well not going to go to the negatives because some of them weren't caught, unfortunately, but you really are seeing those issues that he's had in his game being worked on the last few weeks. So just the progression itself is really, really promising. And yeah, we can be prisoners of the moment right now. Justin Fields at this very moment looks like the best quarterback in that 2021 NFL draft class. And I think that's really promising. It's not always going to be like that. We are going to see more, you know, he's going to take his lumps. He's going to have struggles. We know that's going to happen as teams kind of clamp down on what he can do. But my God, like he is a threat anytime he touches the ball. And he, we knew that when it came to his legs, but now he's really starting to develop his arm a little bit. And that's that's so exciting to see. I think I owe... Patrick Sheldon, a little bit of, I don't know what the right word is, but I'm going to say some nice things about you, buddy. You really sold Eberflus and the staff about teaching and developing. And I, we all know I didn't want this staff. I didn't, I didn't like this staff uh, to begin with. I still think they have huge flaws, 
But the one thing that I will say is their ability to make in-game adjustments. This is the first time Alan Williams was overmatched in the second half of the entire season. And so honestly, like I kind of give that a little bit of pass going back to my earlier point, which is Dallas has significantly more talent. But I just am noticing more and more that this team every week is prepared uh, that, uh, you know, that again, being prepared and giving up a lot of points. I still think the game plan was there. They just didn't have the the, the people to do it. Um, and I just, uh, I, I think they're, they're hanging their hat on some, some things that they do incredibly well. Getsy is still learning in a couple of calls. You just go, what the hell are you doing? What, what are you a shuffle pass here? Like what, what are you doing? But then you also have to take a step back and go, they're put over 200 yards rushing on the number two rushing defense in the NFL. Like, sorry, number three, I apologize, but it's, it's just, it's just, Oh, good Lord. Like they can run on anybody. It doesn't matter. And like, you know, they're going to run. So they're getting stacked boxes and they're still finding ways in which to do it, which is just, man, boys, like I'm, I'm just sitting back going, Justin Fields is developing into a phenomenal quarterback. The last couple of games, he has been stellar. And we're running the football really well. And so, you know what? Honestly, like, eh, we're going to lose. We knew this season was going to be a throwaway. I'm having fun watching. I'm sorry. I, st- I threw you off, Ryan. I was only seeing three because that was it was the third straight game that they had 200 yards rushing. And that's something that hasn't been done since the 60s with Gale Sayers. Like, think about Chicago Bears football. Walter Payton, Matt Forte, Thomas Jones. Like, we've had a ton of great backs. Nothing like that has happened in the last what 50, 50 years or so, 50 plus years. That's that's incredible. It's insane. Can I make one quick point? Because I know I'll forget because I'm old. Uh <laughs> one thing I've seen from Justin Fields in the last two weeks that I, I think is uh speaks a lot to his development. He has learned to live another down, uh, if that's the right expression, right? Like I just feel like he's learned to take care of the ball better and maybe throw it away or get down quicker or, you know, throw the ball to his lineman's feet when he doesn't have it, or um, his, his awareness is just a lot better, you know, taking advantage of that offsides, something that Mitch never did. I mean, I can't remember one time where the, the defense jumped offsides and he took a shot downfield. It's just, it seems like his awareness is getting a lot better, whether it's in the pocket, whether it's just down distance situation. So I just wanted to call that out. I, I'm not a, I'm not a parent like you three fine gentlemen, but this really feels like when you see a child really start to grasp the things that you're, you know, want them to do. And I, do, I don't mean that in a demeaning way with Justin Fields, but like we've been asking him and wanting to see these developmental skills come through. And now you're actually seeing them. And that's got to be, I feel like as Bears fans, we're so like proud to see that. And I'm sure that's kind of, you know, it was probably more special for you guys, you know, with your kids, but this just feels like really special to see that development happen. Like, oh my God, it's actually happening. We're actually seeing it in front of our eyes. He's still holding the ball for too damn long, but you are, your boys are right. He's, he's throwing it away. Uh, we saw that a couple times and I agree, man, like shells, when he caught the defender off sides and chucked it up to, to Equinemia St. Brown, you thought, you're at least giving your dude a shot at it. And they dropped it. Boys, it is time for the outhouse and the penthouse. The outhouse and the penthouse is brought to you by our guy, Jeff Cadwater. Did you know interest rates are up? Prices are up. Is real estate dead? It's not. 
But when you have questions, Jeff Cadwalder with At Properties, Christie's Internationals has your answers. Jeff's 15 years of experience has been featured in Chicago Magazine and even Forbes because of his commitment to his clients. To connect with Jeff, visit GenevaJeff.com today. If you do talk to Jeff, let him know the guys at the Bear Down Chicago podcast say hello. All right, boys, it is time to go outhouse, then penthouse. Bears get the, the loss on this one. For this one, let's go Sheldon, Shigaru, Jack Wright, and I will finish it up. Outhouse, boys. So I alluded to it earlier. There were some things that I didn't like about this game. And so I'm going to put one of them in my outhouse tonight. And it's going to be uh, the way Coach Eberflus handled the the end of the game. Uh, I did not like how he packed it in so early. There was about 10 minutes left in the game. They were down uh, 20 points or so. And they came out with three straight runs. It was like, throw up the white flag, take the knee. I mean, um, I get, I get the folks who are, who were responding on Twitter saying, well, we didn't want to lose by, you know, 40. Well, what's the difference between losing by 40 or losing by 20? Like we were going to lose the game. Okay. So that argument doesn't really uh, sway me. The other argument is they didn't want Justin Fields to get killed. Well, if they were so concerned about that, why in the beginning of the game, were they running the ball on first and second down almost every series and putting him in obvious passing downs or passing situations on third down and letting the, the defense pin their ears back and rush the quarterback. So I think, again, there's a, a fine balance between trying to win a game and trying to develop Justin Fields. They clearly were not trying to win the game at the end of it. Um, and I thought there were some valuable reps that could have been had there, just getting him in the hurry up, getting him in that situation uh, running the offense as if you're down 21 points and or 20 points in the fourth quarter and, and, and need to come back. It just, it was a very odd, like almost like a preseason game where they had just said, okay, we're, we're, we're done. We're just going to tinker with some stuff and work on some things. I just didn't like that whole approach. Um, I get it. I, I understand they weren't going to win, but uh, the way in which they ended that game, just throwing up the white flag and, and essentially taking a knee, just really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I think there was a, a missed opportunity to get field some valuable reps and development. My outhouse goes to Roquan Smith, and I am I'm officially creating a new nickname for Roquan, and I'm calling him Roller Coaster Roquan because this season has been so up and down with this guy. I don't even know what to do with him at this point. Of course, he's in a contract year, but after his stellar performance against the Patriots, Roquan follows it up with probably his worst game of his career. And I know we've said that like once or twice this year, but when you're in Roquan's position, if you're not like the first or second player leading in tackles, that's an issue. And I know tackles are kind of like that shallow stat or, you know, hollow stat, I guess, but he finished fourth today in total tackles. He only had five of them, five total tackles for as many points and as many opportunities the Cowboys had four of which were solo, no sacks, no tackles for loss. He was dragged into the end zone. He looked slow at times. I saw him pop like maybe, maybe once where he, you know, I guess kept a guy from getting a first down, but just after such a good performance, leading the defense like that, and especially when Robert Quinn gets traded, I know that's your boy. I know that's your guy, but you got to step up and be that leader. And I did not see that once at all. This defense was gashed, and I put a lot of that blame on number 58. 
He's not a difference maker. He's, he's just hot, has... then he's cold. He's yes, then he's no. <laughs> you just love singing that song. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't like that song. But for some reason, every time we talk about Roquan, that song just pops up in my head. I have no idea why. I swear. Okay, make all the jokes you want. But I'm telling you right now, it's it's the strangest thing. Roquan, and it's just that 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 phrase of that song. The mention of Katy Perry, and it just pops up, huh? That's what happens. I am coming up with a <laughs> rival. <laughs> Me just wearing my Patrick Sheldon hat for a minute. Uh, Is that your microphone wrong. dangle? What's the... <laughs> <laughs> I have a rival uh, nickname I'm coming up with, uh, Brendan. I'm going to go. Is it Pro Bowl Row or Where'd You Go Row? It's got to be one of like I, I'm going to try to pit mine against yours for a trademark. See who can come out on top. I think uh, if if Kendall Vildora was one of our children today and he went home with his backpack, he had a a little note in there from Floos with a little frowny face that said, "I had a bad day," and his parents are probably going to have to, you know, hey, it's all right, bud. We still love you unconditionally. But you know, we've talked about. Kendall Vandora. I think we've been balanced about him. He's played better than we expected throughout the course of the year, but it was quite clearly evident that Dallas had scouted a flaw, not only just with Kendall Vildor, but on the right side of our, I guess it would be our left side, their right side, the offensive right side of the of the defense. And we just were, were so poor early on. I've, I, I don't think I've seen a game in which the beginning of the game was so pronounced on a side. And, uh, I mean, just slant after slant. And it was like, uh, I thought maybe they needed to go back to Jalen Johnson traveling, but then they've got, you know, Dallas has good wide receivers on both sides. So, uh, Kendall Vildor, you are in my outhouse. Did Kendall Vildor also have like five loaves of bread in there? Because he got burnt loaves. The loaves. Because he, the loaves. The loaves, guys. Come on, Jack. I'm sorry, I forgot about my fluce acronyms for a minute. I I like the backpack analogy though. I just thought like he needs to have it a worked. bunch of loaves of bread in there. Or did I missed it? That's on me. Uh, my outhouse is the rookies, as freaking amazing, phenomenal that they were last week. Gugh. Awful, terrible, bad, no good. Jaquan Brisker just getting beat for a tutty, just out of position in a bad, bad place. Last week, he couldn't have been any better. And just this week, he just wasn't there. Valus Jones, boys, I'm trying to be fair and balanced about this. You guys know I didn't like the draft pick. Um, I do think they they drafted a raw prospect. But when it hits you in the hands, man... You got to make the catch. Uh, you know, we, we will talk a little bit about it later. I'm sure maybe we won't. I don't know at this point. Uh, it sure seems like he stopped his route to try to dive for a catch when he could have just kept running. Um, either way, when the ball hits you in the hands, you got to make that catch. Justin Fields did that a couple times. Um, and you know what? I'll, I'll say this too, boys. Kyler Gordon, I don't think he had a terrible game. Picked a l- on a little bit at the beginning, but but then I think he bounced back and he played fairly well. But but those rookies are are definitely in my outhouse. Interesting. You know that Velas Jones uh, outproduced George Pickens on on one jet sweep. Yeah, <laughs> today. Yeah, it's a good point. Oh, he, hold on. he was hold very on. fast. Time he out. Was very time fast. out. Time out. He did. Okay. He okay. Did. Yes. Yes, he did for today. But that dude can catch, and Velas can't catch. Velas can't field punts. Velas is not a good 
player right now. Eventually he could. Yeah, he's fast. But other than that, maybe maybe put him at running back or something else along those lines. But I, I mean, I'm trying to be fair and balanced about this kid. You got a raw prospect that is not good at playing receiver right now. I want to say this. I feel like Valus Jones is who people thought Devin Hester was when he was playing wide receiver. Because I heard so many people say, Devin Hester, he couldn't play wide receiver. He couldn't catch. I'm like, looking back on it, he wasn't great, but he was much better than I think people gave him credit for. I think Bayless Jones is kind of what people thought Devin Hester was, just dropping easy passes like that and only being effective on jet sweeps. I say we give the guy more time. I I, I am so impressed with the staff and their ability to, to wait and be patient. Again, with Jones, with Gordon, with Fields. We don't. I don't think we have any idea what we have with Phyllis Jones yet. Yet. Yeah. The part that worries me, and I agree with you, Jack, and I like Phyllis Jones. The part that worries me is it seems like he's got the yips, right? Like, and I, I almost feel like it's in his head now. Um, the talent's there. I just worry, like, is it a confidence thing, and is he going to ever get over this? Uh, he needs to stack a few plays to build some confidence and, and get back in the swing of things because today didn't help. Boys, let's go to the penthouse. Now I'm going to ask this as a favor. I don't think I, 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 I very, very rarely go first. I'm asking the consensus of the group. Is it okay that I go first this time, please? I will allow it. Permission granted. <laughs> Go Brandon. for it. <laughs> yes. All right. That's I fine. am first in the penthouse. So we're going to go Ryan Dangle, Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, Brent Chagru. I, I just, I can't say enough about Justin Fields. I don't know. I, I know that this is the guy that we all want to put in our penthouse. And I just, I'm, I'm asked, just was ecstatic to talk about him. 17 for 23, 151 yards, two touchdowns, a Quarterback rating of 120 flat boys, eight rushes, 60 yards for a 7.5 per carry and a one tutty rush in. He is electric. He was at times, as Jack said a little bit earlier, the best player on the field, not for the Bears, but on the field. He just makes plays that make me want to watch football. He's just so fun. You know, I, I think we, we, we've you know talked a little bit about this, that he's never probably never going to be the 300 yard passer, which Logan kind of said, you know, you're always looking for that number, that 300 yard passer, but I don't care Dude put up three touchdowns by himself, essentially, or, you know, passing to other guys. And it just, he looked good. He looked so good. And it was so much fun to watch. This team is going to lose a lot more football games than they're going to win this season. But if I get to keep watching Justin Fields play quarterback, man, I don't care. I've, I've never had this before. I've never had a guy where, all four of us, right, would sit here and go, yes, this is the guy, and I love watching him play football. There's no question that he's the guy. I don't want to see what Trevor Simeon can do. This is the unquestioned franchise quarterback of this team. Is he perfect? No way, but he's getting better and better and better, and I am just, I am so ecstatic to watch him play football. I love what you say there about wanting to watch football because I – Again, I think we, we do need to take moments like this and think about those days where we watched the games and thought, I could do something better with my time. And now instead we have an offense, we have a quarterback, we've got some proficiency that is exciting. It's fun to watch. And we've had quarterback misery for decades. 
And and I think everything you said is, I mean, is really truly astute. Like I said earlier today, in a in a um, in a tweet, Ryan. I mean, it's we got to relish it a little bit. <laughs> we don't get it very often. Um, also, uh, I, so in my uh, penthouse today, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Khalil Herbert. He had 16 rushes for 99 yards. Uh, he had a touchdown today. Uh, his longest run was 36 yards. I, uh, he established himself today, I think, and we chatted about it a bit. As I don't know, how does it go? Do you think Fields is the best runner than Herbert, <laughs> or vice versa? And then Montgomery. I just uh, Montgomery runs. He runs really hard. He refuses to go down. I notice. I don't think he can get the edge. He's really good north south, but if you want a guy to get the edge, he just he can't seem to get it. And a really uh, uncustomary fumble today. I was like surprised by that. I got a little sloppy with the ball. But I'm talking about Herbert. Herbert had a great day. He's had a good season so far, and uh, so he is in my penthouse. Yeah, those are two great ones. Um, I agree with you, Dangle. I, I I did enjoy it today. I didn't enjoy the shovel pass at the end of the first half. I didn't enjoy some of those brutal play calls. Um, but I'm interested to know what you thought of how Getzey uh, used fields today in light of the fact that this is probably his best game of the season. What did you think of some of the play calls and some of the way he, and uh, the ways in which he used him today? Can I put my tin hat on for just a second then? What was, since you asked that question? Yeah. Uh, this coaching staff knows they are going to be back next year. They've shown enough. This coaching staff knows that Justin Fields is going to be back next year. I think they're just trying shit out at this point, seeing what kind of sticks and getting ready for next year. Uh, and that, you know, the the ultimate goal is to not put Justin in too much of harm's way. And while just kind of letting him, what, what can you do with zero talent around you, dude? And, and let's, let's get ready for next season. I think. Yeah, that's fair. Um, well, in the spirit of of trying things out, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna give some credit and put the uh, Luke Getzey's run game calls in my penthouse. We all thought uh, you were going Cole Komet. We I thought you were because you've never doubted Cole Komet, so I thought you would be the one. His <laughs> his his last couple catches, ooh, they've been so good. They've been why because so he scored a touchdown for the first time since the Carter administration. That's worthy <laughs> of a penthouse. He hasn't I mean, had a lot of opportunities to catch the ball. Sorry, I'm going to shut up yeah. now. Ooh, Even when oh. he catches the ball, he's so surprised. He doesn't think he caught the ball and needs to rush up to the line and, and snap the ball because he was just like, holy shit, I can't believe I caught this. Can um, I just say this real quickly? I'm not going to mention Cole Komet again. I just realized the last time Cole Komet caught a touchdown before today, you know who was still in, in office. I, I will say Wild. that was a terrible hold call on Komet. That was not a hold. Uh, yeah, it was. That was brutal. So uh, hopefully nobody's holding them accountable for that because that was not a hold. But um, no, I, I can't. I mean, come on, guys. Like I, we need to raise the bar a little bit for expectations for a second round tight end. Um, no, I'm going to put Luke Getzey's run calls in my penthouse. I mean, I, I, I said it earlier. The guy knows how to scheme up some run plays, right? Like he knows. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the Dallas defense is phenomenal and it didn't skip a beat. This offense can run the ball no matter who the opponent is, no matter who the defensive front is, they can put, um, they can put up a lot of yards on the ground. I don't know what it is that doesn't translate into the, the, the past plays that he's calling personally. I, I, I haven't been a huge fan of some of the things that he's doing, 
Uh, but from a, uh, a run game perspective, he's phenomenal. And uh, so at least we've got 50% of our offense down, guys. We just need to work on the other 50%. 43 rushes for 240 yards, 5.6 a carry, and two touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think you're right. It's awesome. Charles. Yeah. It really is. It, it it's, it's super impressive. Remember back in week two when everybody was so pissed off at the Bears and Luke Getze for running the ball against the Packers. Like, we need to open up the passing game. We need to do this. Like, it's just funny how we've evolved. You know, we kind of realize what actually works and, you know, catering to the skill set of the players and look what happens. So I think that's interesting. Well, Ryan, you you took the penthouse easily for Justin Fields, but I mean, the quarterback who was perfect, I'm talking one for one, five yards, Trevor Simeon, okay, 100% completion rating. So don't sleep on number 15. No, I'm just kidding. You've been um, high on him ever since, ever since camp. You've been high on him. Clearly. You love you, yeah. you, love if, you some Trevor Simeon. If only, if only Nathan Peterman was on the active roster, my God, this team would be going places. No, um, though, all of those, I think were the easiest, uh, penthouses and, um, I'll just say I'll put two people in here just because I think they are going to be, if they're not already the top two receiving options, Darnell Mooney. And how about Nikhil Harry? Nikhil Harry caught both of his targets, two, two receptions, 24 yards. Of course, he had that really nice touchdown where he just, you know, bodied the defender, got in front of him, and then was able to get into the end zone. Darnell Mooney caught all of his targets too. Five for five, 70 yards, bailed Justin Fields out of, I think, at least a few third downs. We know that Darnell Mooney is going to be here next year and possibly be even being extended, but Nikhil Harry, who knows what he could provide for the next uh, half of the season. He's finally kind of getting his legs under him. He's a big target. He's that true X option that he could be on the outside to really, you know, create some space. I thought some of his utilization was weird. Um, I don't know why you're kind of throwing a screen to him, but you know, actually, take him down the field, throw some passes up for him, see what he can do. But I was happy with with what those guys could provide. And I think by the year's end, those two are going to be your top wide receivers. Good, good. Uh, Nikhil Harry. Yeah, I, I, I want to see more snaps from him, less of some of the other receivers that are on this team. I think Ekonimi St. Brown has done some things, but he had a bad game today. It was, it was, yeah. not, it was not good. Yeah. Equinemius and Brown at least has exceeded my expectations, but they were like right at the floor. So I don't know how much credit he gets for that. <laughs> All right, boys, it is time to get to some true false. We've got some good, uh, some submissions from some of our listeners as always. Some of these, I don't know how, how long we're going to be arguing about them, but let's hop into it, boys. Our first one is from our friend, Iowa bear. He is at Iowa underscore bear. Tyreek Hill will have over 200 yards of offense next week against RD. I do think it's interesting to mention he did say offense, not receiving yards. He did just say offense. For this one, let's go. Brendan Chagru, Patrick Sheldon, Jack Wright, and I will finish it up. I say false. One, because they have two dynamic pass catchers anyway in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And I think both of them are definitely going to do some damage. But uh, this is the first game that, and I think you alluded to it, Ryan, where we've really seen Alan Williams kind of turtle in the second half and not have an answer for what a, an offense was showing them. I don't think that's going to be the case against the Dolphins. And the Dolphins kind of barely beat the Lions. And I know that they still covered, but 
they're not exactly world beaters right now. I think they can be beat and whether the bears actually do that or not, that's another thing. But I think this past defense at least gets a little bit better. Maybe he'll, I think he goes over hundred. He's not going to go over 200. I'm going to go false. I don't think there's any way they allow him to have 200 yards of total offense. We talked about this staff's ability to make adjustments within the game. Uh, they're, they're good at making adjustments game to game. I don't see them letting that happen. I also think, uh, this staff is a little bit better in terms of preparation than the Dolphins uh, staff. They, they got a brand new head coach as well, but um, I just think in terms of their preparedness week to week, I it, considering what the bears do with the talent that they have, I think Eberflus and Williams and company will have their team uh, ready uh, for the, the weapons that the Dolphins have. And so I, I just don't see them allowing uh, Tyreek Hill to go off like that. I'm going to say false as well, but if we if we put it at 150, would you say true? All purpose yards? Yes. I think I, yeah, I think I would go 150. I do agree with uh, the points made so far. The Bears' defensive minds are smart, and I think they're good at scheming, and I don't think they're just going to let an elite athlete like that completely dominate any one game going forward this year. Although... That running back had a pretty good day today, didn't he? Now that I say that, it went three touchdowns and I don't know how many yards, but uh, I'm still going to say false. I'm going to say false because uh, if it was receiving yards, I would say I would feel really good about this because I think Eddie Jackson is in a position where, you know, a guy over the top, he might have a couple plays in him or something along those lines, but Tyreek running out of the backfield, something along those lines, that dude is electric. I think it's going to be closer than we want it to be, but I'm still saying false for this one. All right, boys, this one is fun. Uh, This is Pete and you will have time for my shenanigans who is at Pete underscore Chai underscore fan. True or false. Justin Fields is the best quarterback in the NFC North right now. Let's go. Patrick Sheldon, Jack Wright, Brennan Shagru, and I will finish it up. Yeah, that's a good question, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pump the brakes on it for now and say false. I think, although I'm I'm taking a peek and it looks like the the Packers were down fourteen nothing last I checked. Uh, now they're down fourteen seven. Um, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is still the best quarterback in the division. Whether he's playing like it right now is a different story. Uh, a lot of factors may be contributing to that. I do think uh, Justin Fields is currently playing pretty darn well and is in line to take over uh, as the best quarterback in that division for a long, long time. We, we've said this before that the lions are still going nowhere. Uh, the Packers are going to be in cap hell with Rogers uncertain future. And uh, you know, uh, Kirk cousins tucks his white t-shirt into sweatpants. So I don't think any more needs to be said about that guy and, and his long-term future. But uh, I think the Bears are set up for for success for a long time. The fields turns out to be who we think he is. Uh, but, you know, in terms of best quarterback right now in the division, you, you can't go anybody other than Rodgers, in my opinion. If there was some way to – I'm not a math guy, as you, you both know, but if we could create some sort of a, a quotient of experience and play – 
because I, I think you've got to give a nod to the other quarterbacks in the league just based on their experience. They can't be dethroned until they are dethroned. There's just not, they have a sample size that Justin Fields doesn't have. But if you somehow could take like the numbers and say, here's how many snaps this kid has had, and here's how many games he has played. And, and, and uh, uh, if we're trying to do a comp, you know, I think you could probably say he's as good, if not better, if you're saying right now. I'm going to say true. I'm going to say right now he's the best quarterback in the division. Currently, yes, true. Ooh, that's bold, Jack. I made a take like that. I didn't even say that the quarterback was the best in the division. I got roasted for it. So God bless you, sir. Um, you know, that's kind of how I see it too, though. All of these guys, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, they've been doing it for years, and they're at the respective levels. You can see Aaron Rodgers start to go down with, you know, his stock and Kirk Cousins is kind of, you know, up and down here, but Fields is sharply rising and just kind of, I I do like where you're trying to go, like in terms of snaps played, games played, you know, where were these guys in year two versus where Justin Fields was year two. If you want to go that route, I think it's kind of clear that Fields would have been the best, maybe second best, because, you know, it took Rodgers a long time to get going. Jared Goff got better under Sean McVay. But I'll still say false for now because I need to actually see it happen. I need to see those head-to-head matchups happen where he beats Kirk Cousins, beats Rodgers, beats Jared Goff. We haven't seen that yet, at least consistently. So I'll be I'll be late to that party. Not yet. So false. But he's got the potential, and it's going to be fun to watch. All right, boys, this may be the fastest true-false ever. Uh, I Just here we go. So our good buddy Bert, the winner of the Justin Fields uh, jersey, at Bert underscore Bears fan. If a team is crazy enough to offer a first-round pick for Roquan Smith, we take it. Let's go Brendan, Jack, Patrick Sheldon, and I'll finish it up. True. Next question. Absolutely true. A first-rounder? Absolutely true. Yes. True. And Sheldon took a potty break, I think, but he's also going to say true. All right, boys. And this one, this last one. Oh, sorry. There's one more. Uh, Meredith, who is at Murdy World 79. Our offense is now better than our defense. For this one, let's go Jack, Brandon Shagru, and I'll finish it up. False. Not quite yet. I think, again, body of work. Even if you just take second half stats of this Bears defense over the period of eight games that we've had that I I think you could just put that chip into you know the pile and say false because of how stalwart we've been in the second half not yet but hopefully soon I'll say false as well I do not believe the offense is better than the defense this defense has played very, very well throughout the whole season. I think we're just seeing this as an aberration and we talked about it already. I think adjustments are going to be made. I think they're going to play much better. And I also, to an extent, the offense is probably going to come back down to earth too, because at some point defenses are going to adjust to what the bears are doing. I know it hasn't happened yet. I know there are special traits that fields has where he's able to escape and make something out of nothing and use his athleticism. But the defense still has tons of talent on the board, and I think they're just trying to, you know, maybe readjust after they lost one of their team leaders. I'm going to say true. This this defense looked really bad. They're really bad against the run, except for two games this season, and the offense is on the upswing. So 
eh, I don't know that I totally believe it, but I'm just having fun right now. Patrick Sheldon, you want to throw in on this one as well? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say false. I mean, the, the, the defense, uh, as to your point, Brent, has been playing really well all year. I mean, what they've done in the second half uh, in games this season has been remarkable. Um, the offense has got a long way, in my opinion, before they catch up to the defense, even if the defense threw up a stinker today. So, uh, yeah, they, they may get there this season, but they're not there yet. All right, boys, I'm going to throw in this last one, and this is from me. Khalil Herbert is a better running back than David Montgomery. Patrick Sheldon, Brennan Shagru, Jack Wright. In this system, true. Uh, whatever the reason, I don't know if, if, if this scheme just suits Herbert's abilities better. He is performing better week after week. Uh, I, I mean, the evidence is there, right? Like the, the results are there. He is the better running back this year at this moment for this system, I, you know, talent wise, I don't know. You can, you can debate that, but I don't think there's any debating that Herbert has performed better with his opportunities this season than, than Montgomery. Yeah, true. And I say that as a big David Montgomery fan, he just hasn't been able to kind of recapture what he had in 2020 and 2021. It is interesting. I don't know why that he's struggling as much in this system, but I want to see both of those guys continue to play off each other because it's worked earlier in the season, but the last like few weeks when Montgomery has been spelled by Herbert, Herbert actually like takes advantage of those opportunities. And we don't see as much from Montgomery, except if you're trying to push the pile, you know, on a third and three or something. So yeah, right now, Herbert is the best running back. True, better vision, better burst. And he also brings down, he, he also is hard to bring down as well. He's a hard runner, just like Montgomery. So far, he seems to find the end zone a little bit better as well. He can take the edge. He's also had more breakaway runs out in the open field runs. He's had more this year. And it's been a bit of a gripe of mine with Montgomery uh, break breakout runs and, and finding the, finding the end zone. This is tough to say, Brennan, I'm, I'm with there with you. I, I just, I like David Montgomery so much and he's been such a great running back, but right now Khalil Herbert is a better back and it's seeming like they're separating a little bit. Like I'm not going to be the guy that says, and it's not close, right? When it is kind of close, but it's definitely trending in the direction where Khalil Herbert is, seems like he's getting better. And David Montgomery who has some good runs is, should be the second, he should be running back number two right now. I will say, and, and it's probably right now for the best because he's the better pass blocking back by that one is by far. And I think you saw a few moments where he actually was able to help Braxton Jones. I saw him on a double team that, you know, gave fields more time. He hits, I think it might've been Darnell Mooney. Yeah. on like a deep pass. We haven't seen that from Khalil Herbert yet. So Montgomery still has value on this team. Like I, I don't necessarily want to see the Bears trade him like some people do. I think when you think about the rest of the season and we talked about seeing what this offense can do and building around these guys, you're going to want a good pass blocking back. And David Montgomery is that guy. So, yeah, like there are still things he does well and better than Herbert. But, you know, as far as running the ball and making the most out of his, out of his opportunities, that is him. So I just wanted to throw that part in there. Last thing that I will say about this, uh, and I'm reading this right off of ESPN, so I apologize if, if I'm getting this wrong, 
But as of right now, what I am reading, Khalil Herbert, 98 rushes for 563 yards at 6.2 a carry with four touchdowns. David Montgomery, 92 carries. So that's one extra carry, 361 yards. That's 3.9 and two touchdowns. I mean, just just off the numbers, maybe, maybe it isn't as close as I thought it was. That's on track for a thousand yards for Herbert. We are, we're not as geared towards running backs catching balls out of the backfield. Right? I was going to say, does either have an edge on that or kind of like a, a non-subject with this team? I'd say Montgomery has the better hands, but he doesn't have that speed. And Herbert has the better speed, but he doesn't have the hands. And Tristan Ebner is just kind of a mystery box. We don't know what the hell he is right now. Be curious to see if that guy comes on at any point. All right, boys, uh, let's get to some anything quick that we missed, anything whatsoever. Let's go, Jack, Patrick, Brendan. I will finish it up. Anything that we missed before we get to Jack's question? You know, I think Eddie Jackson could have gone in the penthouse if we had more spaces. I uh, had a pass deflection and an interception, and he uh, – oh, he had 11 tackles. I think he led the team in tackles today, which, I mean, downside, you don't want your safety making all the tackles, but – uh, so much controversy about him. As good as we were on third down last year or last week, we struggled uh, quite a bit. We, I think just on the season, we're just not in a very good space and place with third downs. So there's not a lot of confidence. I feel like, I feel like Getsy gets a little bit hesitant when we're getting beat. He seems to kind of go into a bit of a shell and, and starts to, not let Justin Fields play and not let the offense click. Last thing I would say is once again, I'm disappointed in the play selection and the strategy at the end of the first half. I, I, I would just really like to see us be more aggressive and take shots into the end zone. Again, it's like shooting a free throw and then just not even making it to the basket. We got to give it a chance. You know, uh, I like the three points, but two, two weeks in a row, we've been handed a turnover and we haven't capitalized the way we should have. Yeah, I agree with all that, Jack. I I don't know if it's a miss, but just an observation. I'm just kind of really surprised at how the, how the opinion seems to be universal that the Bears did the right thing by essentially taking a knee for the last quarter. Um you know, everybody's like, oh, we don't want Justin Fields to get hurt. We don't want Justin Fields to get hurt. Like, it's like a full quarter where the Bears just kind of gave up and threw their hands up and said, we're done. Um, it, it just, I don't know. That surprises me that the the sentiment has shifted so much. It, the Bears Twitter is very mercurial to me week to week. You never know where they're going to be, uh, where the pulse is going to be. Um you know, one week it's you let fields play, let him cook. And then this week universally people are like, no, they should have just taken a knee for 15 minutes. Um, that, I don't know. That surprises me. I don't agree with Dan Weeder on a lot of stuff. Uh, I know he commented on it. He didn't like that approach. I don't really like it either. I hope that's not a trend going forward. Uh, again, this year is about Justin Fields development. They could have done it in a way that still protected him. I'm not talking about, shotgun seven step drops and let them sit back there all day but they could have done the same thing they were doing in the beginning of the game with his rollouts and his boots and and changing the launch angle and doing all that stuff uh just doing it in the fourth quarter like nobody's saying they have to let him sit back there in the pocket and get destroyed um but why they didn't choose to give him a few more throwing opportunities in that fourth quarter is just a, a surprise to me and I, I didn't like it i've got a couple things uh first off 
I don't even know what to describe it. The the double forward pass back to Dante Pettis to David Montgomery. Uh, let's not ever do that again. Uh, that was doomed from the start. And I liked how they were trying to talk up Dante Pettis. Like, yeah, he could actually throw the ball pretty well. Uh, it kind of seems like he can't. So please don't ever do that play again, Mr. Luke Getze. Um, I really thought, and I know people are going to probably say that the David Montgomery fumble and Micah Parsons touchdown was the turning point of the game. I actually disagree. I think it happened earlier when the Cowboys got a free offsides call on third down. And I think Prescott hit, I think it was Dalton Schultz um, down the middle for like a long, like 20, 25 yard gain. And it was all because Dominique Robinson lined up in the neutral zone and that he's talked about taking a lot of different traits from Robert Quinn, like his spin move. The one thing I didn't want him doing was actually lining up too close to the line of scrimmage because Robert Quinn got dinged for that so many times. And I know he was trying to get like an, an as much of an edge as possible, but it just doesn't, it didn't work out sometimes. And that I think the Cowboys were already coming off a three and out. They were dead to rights on third down. And that changed the whole trajectory because they were able to score a touchdown on that series. So that's what I thought the turning point was. And then I guess the last thing, I really thought there were actually a lot of hold calls that the bears got or had, but didn't get called. So that Cole commit like holding call, I feel like that was a makeup call. Unfortunately, I thought there was a lot of like, just, you know, things that were happening that the bears got away with stuff. And I know people don't like to hear that, but I try to call it like I sees it. So, um, but I still thought the offensive line, like, you know, for as good of a pass rush that the Cowboys had, they played a decent game considering, the players that they had. I know we talked about that a little bit with the run game, but I wanted to call it out to the pass game. I know they had four sacks, but I still think that was still decent. All things considered. I am really curious how Ryan Poles is going to spend this 124, $125 million in cap space. I, 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 that's I'm, it is dominating a lot of how I am thinking about this team that that's 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 a insane cap money like what are you going to trade for some players because you can then afford those heavy contracts that are coming in is it all free agency i mean it's not just draft picks because you're not going to spend 124 million just on your draft picks so i just feel like this is going to be an overhaul of this roster probably the more I, i i am thinking about this justin fields is cementing that he is absolutely the guy and i just am wondering are the Bears and Ryan Poles going to do enough to surround the quarterback that we finally have with the things that we need to win another championship in Chicago? I'm not saying that he can't. I'm just, I'm wondering how he's going to do it. And I'm wondering what that's going to look like. So yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. I like to be spoiled for riches. I mean, compared to what we've looked at, right? We're not trading away draft picks. We're stockpiling them. Your question is a good one. I think they're going to find some play, like some players to pay one, and I think we might have to settle into the fact that it might be this season, next season, and another season. Uh, you know, I just think the cupboard was so bare, and the rebuild is going to take some time. Jack, what question you got for us this week? I hope you guys enjoy this one. I was going to give you a heads up, but I'm not. We're going to do a flash draft around a question. So here we are, eight games in. You have to pick two people 
and the Bears organization to go forward with to create a franchise. Two players. Actually, you can go all the way from Virginia down to the guy who hands out the towels. So you can choose any two people that right now you think will put the Bears in the best position going forward. And we're going to do it real quick because I know, you know, right at the end, we usually do this pretty, pretty fast. So you're just going to have to go. You know, you may not love your picks, but that's why it's a flash draft. And I did randomly choose the order. So we're going to go uh, Patrick is first, then Jack, that's me, then Ryan, and then Brendan, and then we'll we'll snake back. Questions? Trim all the other fat away. Two people that you feel confident about going forward with in this franchise. All right, so on the clock is Patrick. I don't need any time. I'm going Justin Fields. If you don't have a quarterback, you got nothing. And uh, he's looking pretty darn good right now. And we hope that he is going to be the franchise quarterback we've longed for. Uh, and so uh, whether he ends up being that or not, I don't know how you go forward without a franchise quarterback. So I'm taking Justin Fields. Nice selection. I'm taking Tevin Jenkins. I'm taking Tevin Jenkins. I think he's proven himself to be an awfully good guard and an awfully good offensive lineman. And I am getting double birds, like exponential from Ryan Daigle. I think I might've snaked him. Do you think I snaked him, Brendan? Possibly? I, th- I think so. I think okay. I've never seen somebody be so upset about missing a draft pick that they just found <laughs> out was happening 30 seconds before. He's <laughs> angry. Angry, Ryan. Ryan, you're up. You're up. Ryan is on the clock. I don't, man. I don't even know at this point. That's that's a freak. I, there's Anybody. nobody. There's nobody else on this team that I that I am that invested in yet, other than Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins. I I don't love. Okay, Jaquan Brisker. I guess good, excellent selection. That's maybe he was um, going to be my B. Uh, yeah. Brisker, Brendan. It's a good pick. I mean, I don't know if it's a first round pick because I think corners are more valuable than safeties and I'm going to take Jalen Johnson. I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I put you in a tough spot. You know, like, hey, think of the entire roster. Oh, I'm an idiot. Thank you, Brandon, for for reminding me how stupid I am. Oh, no worries. No worries. And I'm going to go off the active roster and I'm going to pick a coach and offense. Yeah, I went defense, so I need to go offense. I'm going to go Luke Getze. I like it. And those are two solid picks. And we're back to Ryan. Darnell Mooney is my pick. He is a decent wide receiver. He's not the best in the world, but he is a guy. He's a piece that could definitely work on this team. Uh, that is Darnell Mooney. Excellent selection. Wow, I'm vacillating a little bit here. I'm taking Ryan Poles. I think the, the KC background is showing. His, his eye for talent has been pretty darn good so far. Found some starters in this draft. Uh, might be early. I might regret it. I'm going Poles. Final pick. Yeah, I, it, I'm glad you took the decision away from me because I was trying to decide between polls and and my pick. Uh, and I was going to lean towards my pick anyway because I just haven't seen enough from polls yet, though I do like some of the things that he's done. But you need, with a franchise quarterback, you need a great relationship with your head coach. And it seems like uh, Justin Fields has that with Matt Eberflus. So I'm going to take Matt Eberflus. He, I just think he is a highly organized uh man in charge. He, he is what we've wanted in a head coach, um, in a delegator. 
and so um, he's shown an ability to, to assemble a pretty good staff, to teach his players, to get them to buy in, to get them to improve week after week, to get them to be disciplined. It's just what he, how he has turned around the crap that Matt Nagy left him and the, the temperament and just the attitude and the lack of discipline and all that stuff, how quickly he's turned that around has been impressive to me. So I'm going to go Matty Flus. Excellent pick. I think we did. Yeah. I think we're on. We, we figured it out, fellas. We're on track. Here we go. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, it's time to get out of here. It's time to give shout outs for shout outs this week. Let's go. Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Shagrew, Jack Wright, and I will finish it up. I've got two quick ones. Uh, I, I threw out a video there of my, my son throwing a football kind of jokingly on Twitter and uh, shout out to Tim Jenkins uh, for responding. It made his night. Uh, but on a serious note, if you're not following Tim Jenkins, he's at T Jenkins elite. Uh, his breakdowns are phenomenal. He's one of the guys that you need to be following. If you're a bears fan and are interested in learning more about football and Justin Fields development and how he looks week after week. And, and if you want a, a, an unbiased opinion every week about uh, the bears offense and Justin Fields development, please give him a follow and watch his videos they are phenomenal. And then a quick shout out to our own Brendan Chagru uh, for his um, spirit Halloween meme that he threw out there about Matt Nagy. That was hysterical. I enjoyed it. It was so good. I heard the folks at Barstool are thinking about stealing it, uh, even if others have pirated it and put it on Facebook. Uh, but it was tremendous. It was hysterical and uh, well done, Mr. Chagru. So those are my two shout outs for the week. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, my shout out goes to Kevin Lapka. Uh, Kevin works at 670. He's a fun Bears follow. Um, he also he he did some work at OSU when he was Ohio State when he was going there. Um, just puts out really fun content, and I think uh, he's really made 670 uh, 670 social presence a lot better. So I enjoy interacting with Kevin, and hopefully him and I can actually get together and throw the football at some point because he's one of those guys that's like, yeah, I'm going to get some work in. And, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm past my prime, but I kind of want to do the same thing. So uh, shout out to Kevin. I have a couple of shout outs, first of all, to the Sycamore Spartans who defeated Westinghouse 54 to 13 Saturday night. Westinghouse was the 16th seed. They face off the, the Spartans face off on Saturday against number nine Carmel and so good luck to the Spartans. I hope we just have a, a really nice run in the postseason. Friday night football, Saturday night football in the fall. It's just, it's one of the greatest things ever. And then uh, I'm also going to shout out so much love to you, Brendan. Shout out Brendan Chigru for landing me a sweet set of cornhole boards. They are really, really nice. I traveled over to his wonderful abode this week to pick them up. So thanks for putting the order in for me. Thanks for picking them up for me. Uh, thanks for like making that happen. Uh, my, I actually ordered um, official cornhole bags from the ACA. So those are coming Ooh. out. I'll send you the link. They're orange and blue. Pretty nice. We, we, I wish we could get together and play backyard games, boys. That would be so fun. So shout out to you, Brendan. Thank I you. Sh man, I, if I didn't have to like finish up work and all that, I should have just had you stay. We put it in the backyard, grab some beers and, you know, do all that. It would have been tough on a Wednesday 
evening but damn it i'm kicking myself now it would have been fun but also the quinn news was coming out i mean it was it was it was literally yeah so yeah. jack shows up jack shows up at my house because <laughs> i told him i'm like hey you can like come over anytime after three like i'll i'll be all right um he shows up at 3 30 and i'm literally like getting reactions from like the quinn news and jack's like hey i was like hey oh my god i'm sorry i'm trying to like you know get all this done and so uh but it was fun catching up with jack like in person that's that's always fun but uh, you'll have to send me that link for those for those right. bags, though, because I need new ones, too. Definitely will. Well, I'm going to keep this uh, train going. I had this planned before and then to hear everybody else doing it. Uh, my first shout out goes to Brennan Chagru, just being a fantastic freaking guy and just, you know, all the things that he's done for this podcast and just... He's, he's a good friend. And Brendan, and I just think it's so cool, man, that we we met on Twitter. Uh, we met on a podcast and you have become a good friend. And I, I appreciate you so much. My next one goes to Patrick Sheldon. Patrick Sheldon has been the best dad on the face of the planet as of the last couple of weeks. And I just, uh, in all that, he still finds time to make us laugh. And just, I just... Dude, I'm I'm so happy that you're on this podcast, man. And you just, you bring some balance to it. You make us laugh very cautious about what we say because we know that you're going to set up an innuendo at some point. So Patrick Sheldon, thank you so much. Jack Wright, Jack, you have been one of my best friends for, man, I don't know what, 10, 12 years now at this point. And dude, I just, every once in a while, I just, I'm sitting in the office just going, oh yeah, this whole thing started because Jack and I were just talking about the bears every week. And it was like, why don't we just turn it into a podcast? And we did. The last one goes out to Logan Bradley. Logan, you have been absolutely murdering, crushing the pregame pods. Uh, my fantasy team is doing really well. Thank you to you. Brendan, you've also been doing a great job with that, but I just know that he is the driving force in that. I know he wants to be here for every postgame pod, and he can't be. So, Logan, just know that it was really awesome seeing you last week. The last one goes out to Mike Fitzgerald, friend of the pod, and the York High School uh, Dukes, 10-0. Never happened before. First round of the playoffs. They they absolutely crushed us. We go east and it was fun to watch. So York Dukes, go get them, guys. I'm hoping that you will beat up on Marist, uh, who uh, beat up, unfortunately, our friend John Sean Drendels, Naperville North Huskies. Uh, so good luck to you guys. Folks, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, one of the things that, that I get to see when you know I push the buttons is as soon as we hit an episode, we post an episode, we get a lot of listens right away. We know that some of you are, the second it gets posted, you're listening right away. You, you don't understand how much that means to all of us. I mean, truly, 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 we are so thankful to all of you that are listening and you know, uh, listening loyally when there's just so much Bears content out there. Thank you, folks. For all of us at the Bear Down Chicago Podcast, that's Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, Brennan Giroux, and Logan Bradley. I'm Ryan Dangle, folks. Thank you so very much. And as always, Bear Down Chicago. <laughs>